This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. This is Reception Perception, the show. Now, James Cole and Matt Harmon. Uh, how about Joe Mixon? Just went absolutely, I mean, ham sandwich, dude. Five touchdowns, 201 scrimmage yards. Went crazy. Uh, it's the first time he's been over. He averaged nearly seven yards per carry, 6.95 yards per carry. It's the first time he's been over six yards per carry uh, in two years. Uh, mm. So hyper-efficient um, has been in... in I bring that up because he has been anything but efficient, Matt, uh, in recent weeks. As a matter of fact, he's been below 3.5 yards per carry in six of their previous eight games. Yeah, it's amazing what one – I mean, this is obviously like a nuclear game, but, you know, Joe Mixon, one of the more – you know, disappointing picks you probably could have made in in fantasy in the early round. Not like outright he's killing your team or anything, but it's like, man, I took this guy in the back of the first round – I expected a little bit more. You know, he's not Najee Harris, right? Like mm-hmm, been better, mm-hmm. been better than taking Najee Harris there. But it's like now he's a top five back in fantasy, right? This is crazy. I just, I just always think that was funny. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a hundred percent sure, like how to feel about about this Joe Mixon performance because part, part of it is, well, look, you're never gonna, you're never gonna get to skin the rest of the season. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with playing the Carolina Panthers, and I know that, you know, at certain times we've been. Oh, the last couple of weeks, PJ Walker, you know, great stuff, right? Like, man, he's been playing well. Th- that was a disaster of a game for PJ Walker. And, and Jesus, that's that's Awful. in the that's in the range of outcomes for PJ Walker. You know, he's not too dissimilar. He, well, he couldn't be any more different from like a stylistic perspective, or honestly, even like a tools perspective than a guy like Taylor Heineke. But you know, it is kind of funny. They're both like XFL quarterbacks, like right. Only difference was Heineke was a backup quarterback in the XFL. PJ Walker was like the best player in the XFL. Um, They definitely have like, oh, wow, they can string some good moments together, but they absolutely have like puke on their shoes. Like this is not the first like poop his pants game that um, PJ Walker has ever had. As a matter of fact, it was like a couple weeks ago. (laughs) I mean, it's not that long ago. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's had these games before. Uh, He's actually played quite a bit uh, for the Matt Rule uh, and obviously in the post-Matt Rule era Carolina Panthers. But, um, you know, there's short field stuff like that. That's going to be huge for Joe Mixon. So the efficiency stuff, yeah, it was really good to see that. Um, I I don't really know how much to put in it going forward, but um, it just is good that the Bengals have had some level of counterpunch uh, for right. for their for their for, for their running game and their offense with uh, with Jamar Chase obviously being uh, out of commission for right now. I mean, God takes three weeks ago, Carolina when they took on the Rams, PJ Walker went ten of sixteen, threw for sixty yards total, sixty yeah. yards. I mean, come yeah. on. It's like, so no, this is very much well within the range of outcomes. Like this is this is not you know that barely th- didn't he like not even throw a pass. Um, beyond the line of scrimmage or whatever something I, like that i think it would yeah there was something like that too man so no this is not this is absolutely within the range of outcomes which is why again i think we were all very i don't want to say overly confident in dj Moore, but we, there was a certain level of of trust oh, yeah. 
there yeah. with DJ Morno in a good matchup too, by the way. Um, you're mm-hmm. thinking, okay, these guys have given up some production uh, in the slot, a little bit outside as well. DJ Moore's moving around. He's looking, you know, he's looking good. He's looking motivated. Nah. Starting corners were both out for that game too. I, you know what I'm saying? So it was, you know, Mike Hilton was out. Chidi Awuzie was out. You're thinking, okay, DJ Moore's got a really good opportunity here. PJ Walker just needs to build on his performance from last week just a little bit. And oh my gosh, it just, I mean, the bottom fell out. It looks so bad. Dude, Joe Mixon did so well, Matt. He got two Carolina Panther coaches fired. They fired yeah, their quarterbacks coach and their D-line coach after Joe Mixon just went crazy for 55 points or whatever it was in fantasy, man. Like craziness. They're going to have to be looking for uh, guys off TV. Maybe you could. Maybe you can end up as the Carolina Panthers, like I don't know, quality control coach or something. Nah, by the time, that, see, you know, no, that's where that's where you need to step in because you've got your Carolina ties. Oh, I'd I'd rather know? be dead. Okay, <laughs> Jesus. Maybe not that extreme, but I I I can't imagine it's something I would turn down faster than a Carolina Panthers uh, offensive quality control coach job. There you go. Um, okay. Yeah. No. No. I, I'll I'll stick to. <clears throat> to doing shows Perfect. from this from this room with my you know with my stupid records behind me and everything there else I'll, I'll pass on that it. i love it i love it um yeah 55 points or whatever it was for uh, joe mix and i don't have the number right in front of me here but i was just marveling because this is truly one of the all-time great fantasy performances i think it was like rivaling i think he was just a uh, a hair off of what Jamal Charles did. I think Jamal Charles had like yeah, that's right, know, something like ten catches and like two hundred yards and five touchdowns or whatever it was. Um, just a hair off of that. But um, one of the all-time great performances. Keep in mind, guys, if you're listening to this, if a player gives you like three hundred points in fantasy football, that's like a great season. Mm-hmm. A great season. Three hundred points total. <laughs> Joe Mixon gave you fifty-five. One game, <laughs> one game. You know I mean, I mean yeah, it's it's not uh, just overall. Yeah, I mean, I, again, I don't really know how to feel about Joe Mixon because it's such a crazy game, and uh, it just is. It's going to make his final numbers look a lot better. Um, you know, probably by the end of the year. Yeah, but I, I think this. I think it just goes to show, like some of these offenses need time. And I'll give again. I'll give Zach Taylor a little bit of credit here that. Uh, we've given him some crap for not adjusting his offense fast enough. You know, they went like under center 64 percent uh where they've been like a pure shotgun team those two real hot weeks they had with jamar Mm -hmm. chase firing off you know even i think they kind of tried to run the same thing out there against cleveland on halloween and they got cry they got cracked in that game you know um i think this was like a decent adjustment that hey this past we probably don't want brian burns who had a sack in this game you know teeing off on joe burrow over there let's maybe um let's maybe dial that back Let's maybe run the ball a little bit against a, a vulnerable team here. And and P.J. Walker just giving him the ball right. back and over and over and over again really made things easier. Uh, it's just a good credit to a Bengals team that I, I think is still trying to figure itself out. You know, oh, for sure. I, I don't, I, they're still feeling their – and, you know, they don't have their best player right now. Right. Their, their best player is, is for sure Jamar Chase. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, they'll, they'll get that back at some point and they'll get back rolling. But I mean, just the stats, like, because this is what's going to happen when you're, uh, when you're, when your team just gets crushed from the turnover perspective, right. you know, 20, barely 20 minutes time of possession for the Carolina Panthers, almost yeah. 40 minutes for the Bengals. You know, that's like perfect uh, recipe for 
your total total plays. I mean, seventy two total plays for the Bengals, forty eight for the Panthers, um, right. which is just crazy because like in a day where the running back goes nuts, you don't think they're going to run 72 plays, but when the quarterback just keeps giving it to you, giving it to you, giving it to you, (laughs) this is what's going to happen. You know, you talk about, uh, you know, this this offense trying to find themselves, and I totally agree because they are missing their best player. Um, You know, the air yards per attempt in this game against Carolina, not that they needed to air it out, but it was 8.07 air yards per pass attempt, right? It was the fewest pass yards that Joe Burrow has had in a game uh, this year. Uh, Oh, excuse me, except for week number two uh, against Dallas when he had 199. But this offense was starting to click. Uh, We were feeling really excited about it. And in week seven against Atlanta, they averaged 12.88 air yards per pass attempt. Uh, And the week prior to that against New Orleans, it was 9.73 air yards per pass attempt, right? So, and and those numbers, if you're familiar with air yards, that's, that's really good. That's, you're being aggressive. You're going, you're attacking downfield. You've got two vertical guys in T Higgins and Jamar Chase. So, you, you know, you're, you're opening it up. Well, now back down when it was against Cleveland, they were really trying to figure things out. 6.5 air yards per attempt, and then now against Carolina, even in a hopeless situation for, for Carolina where Cincinnati could have done anything they wanted, still eight, yard, eight air yards per pass attempt, which, again, that's, that's decent. Uh, and given the personnel, if it's around eight and a half, nine, I think we'd feel pretty excited about that. But, um, but yeah, it does seem as if they're trying to keep things a little closer to the vest on this offense, Matt. Yeah, I definitely think so, which makes sense. And um, they did kind of go into like a run heavy shell a little frustratingly at, at one point last year uh, as they were pushing towards the the playoffs and the Super Bowl and everything like that. Right. So, you know, maybe that's something that they can kind of keep keep relying on here as we go forward i i will say this look joe burrow only got sacked one time which is i'm i mean what you want with given joe burrow and this offensive line's history that's what you want man so if they can win games like this i think they'd be uh more than pleased to do it that way but uh but yeah they've got pittsburgh tennessee and kansas city coming up in their upcoming game so not sure if they're going to be able to win games like this like they did against carolina all right but we'll move on hey everyone this is brett boone would you know it i've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year tune in as i sit down with my friends some of the biggest names in sports media entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations as you know baseball's been my life it's been in the family for a long time but it's a lot more than that here it's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, let's talk about Justin Fields who went, I mean, golly, if it wasn't for the Joe Mixon thing, I mean, I guess people are, I guess more people are talk, probably talking about Justin Fields than they are Joe Mixon, but uh, yeah. 178 rushing yards and this offense came alive. I mean, Honestly, when I was watching a play, I'm like, man, this is Colin Kaepernick in his prime, just doing whatever he wants. Well, Colin Kaepernick in his prime against Green Bay. <laughs> For whatever yeah. reason, he, he was always doing this against Green Bay. Uh, but yeah, no, uh, 178 rushing yards for uh, for Justin Fields, and uh, it was a back and forth battle against Miami in a game. A lot of folks thought that uh, the Bears had absolutely no chance. 
Yeah, so impressive from Justin Fields here. And, and you, you know, the Dolphins won the game. I get it. I, I talked to a lot of Bears fans, and they're all like, this is the perfect game for us. You know, we lose, but Justin Fields looks incredible. That's the that's the ideal situation for the Bears here uh, in 2022. But, you know, I really don't know what – like, if, I don't know if it was a um, – if it was because of this, but pretty much ever since like Ryan Fitzpatrick and the rest of the TNF recap crew, like kind of laid into Luke Getze after um, they lost to Washington on Thursday night in week six, pretty much ever since then, the offense has looked different. You know, they were really kind of hammering Luke Getze for having Justin Fields be operate too much like a traditional drop back passer, like sit in the pocket, that type of stuff. Cause you know, and it just, I mean, the results spoke for itself. It just really wasn't right. working. During that stretch, Justin Fields was in the shotgun on just under 60% of his passes. He's been up almost 70% in weeks seven to nine. And of course, the big thing, the big thing is that he's the fourth leading rusher during the, ever since that span. And they've gone right. to, it's, it's about 56% of the yards have been scrambles. The other have been designed runs. So they've been designing right. rushing <clears throat> opportunities for him. That's really been the big thing. And um, I just think this is so encouraging because like there are universes where Justin Fields, you know, becomes wasted by the bears, right? Like they, they don't get the best out of him. And I don't think Fields has been it. Look, he's not a perfect player. Even right now, he still has flaws. We know that. <laughs> um, I don't think he had a very good rookie season, but I think he showed flashes. Um, yeah. I think again, it was, kind of messy in, a, in an offense that doesn't really same sort of thing the first year and a half for justin field's career have been in offenses that did not suit him at all period right. um this the way they've called plays since week seven has really been well suited to justin fields and i think we see the results of that you know i will say this i want to bring up the fact that uh, i think the dolphins came in with a really weird game plan uh, defensively. Okay, they play 40% man, which is about <clears throat> what they do um, on the season coming in. Uh, it's the it's actually the, uh, the third highest rate, I think, in the NFL going 40% man. So, okay, so already you're thinking, okay, this is a pretty aggressive style defense. Okay, fine. Um, it was, but the, the big shift, though, was that they went single high safety on 80% of the snaps, Matt. That is yeah, unbelievable. They were, they're trying to spy him a little bit, and it, he's roasting that spy. <laughs> I, yeah, but, I mean, that's the problem, though, for me, is that, okay, you could have a spy, um, but having a single high safety on 80% of those snaps, this that opens the door for Fields to have three touchdowns on just 28 pass attempts, right? Like, yes. You're, you're really risking it here. And for me, it's like, this is not a guy in Justin Fields. Look, I, he's got tools. Uh, like I've, I've been very complimentary about the way the ball comes out of his hands. Um, beautiful technique. You know, it's got real power on those throws. Those, those balls are heavy. You know what I mean? Like they come in hot. Um, but it, look, he's got a long way to go as a passer in terms of reading defenses. I, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn there, right? Like he's mm -hmm. got a long way to go in terms of reading defenses to play this hyper aggressive of a style where you're going 80% single high. That is man. That's aggressive. That is extremely aggressive. And I just wonder, will teams look at this performance and say, we can't do that. We have to, we have to have to have to, make this guy beat us through the air. Um, and if they do that, where they kind of give that mush rush, 
where like, let's say they go base package. They rush three, maybe four guys at most. Everyone else sits back in zone and you don't even need a spy at that point. If you're playing that hardcore of a zone where you're like, we're just going to sit here and whoever, wherever fields goes, we're going to shift. We're going to move amoeba style. Can, can fields beat that? That would be my biggest question mark because when I turn on the game tape, I see a guy that still struggles to make reads, right? Like 60% completion rate uh, in this game where he was going absolutely ballistic on the ground. He's just got a ways to go as a passer, Matt. Oh, for sure. Um, but I, I think you make a great point there about the single high stuff because um, Fields is definitely a big game hunter. I mean, in this stretch where I'm talking about since weeks week seven to nine where I think they've adjusted the offense a little bit. He still ranks eighth in that span among quarterbacks in air yards per pass attempt. Right. Um, seventh. If you combine, if you combine Russell Wilson and Brett Rippon into one player, um, <laughs> oh, there you go. Which I, guess, who, I guess that's where Russ is at this point, but no, I think Justin Fields definitely has some ways to go as a passer. Um, but the fact that they're getting him out on the move a little bit more, the fact that they're not just having him, drop back you know and just get crushed i think he's got he definitely has a sack problem um that is the one thing like and look the bears are gonna have a lot of financial flexibility next year they're gonna have a ton of cap room now they don't have a second round pick because they sent it for chase claypool right um let me ask you a question who do you think is just not fantasy not better receiver chase claypool or darno mooney better receiver oh darno mooney darno mooney for me yeah, I don't I don't think I don't think that's is that up for debate? Is that I'm sure I'm sure if you tweeted out you'd get like uh you you know you'd get you'd get some responses that said Darnell Mooney not even close, you get some Chase Claypool not even close. Like which is usually how you know you've asked a good question. <laughs> um but I do I think it I think yeah. that like cuz I think people still have this idea like a theoretical ceiling about Chase Claypool that I don't really think ever existed or you, think, you know You think they're still living off of that like rookie season where he was making a bunch of splash plays buddy you should know this better than everybody and better than anybody <laughs> size and speed is a hell of a drug <laughs> that's true so people 100%. are definitely people are definitely still going to have that um in their mind but it's just kind of i asked the question because you know the bears send a second round pick out to chase claypool or to get chase claypool you think they'd probably want to you know next year when i say they have all this financial flexibility um they have a ton of cap room they're they, you probably at some point, not next offseason, but eventually you'd be like, all right, well, we sent a second round pick for Chase Claypool. We have to pay this guy. But like Darnell Mooney's going to have the case contract expired at the same time, you know? I so know. Um, what are you going to do? Be pretty interesting. Yeah. And do you, pay, but I think like, yeah, in a vacuum, well, it really, I don't want to, I don't want to give like big, big money to either of these guys. So I think right. like in an ideal world, these are both like third wide receiver three types. Like Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney's presence on the roster wouldn't preclude me from, um, I, no, I, there's no big fish in the free agent market next year. Um, but like uh-huh. going to get a going to get somebody whose contract extension breaks down, uh, you know, trip, make it that type of trade. It wouldn't preclude me from that. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't preclude me from like taking a receiver at some point in the draft. But I, I just asked the question just because, um, yeah, I, I think it's interesting with, with where they're at right now. Let me throw it back to you because, uh, it, you bring up a great point and it gets my gears going here, but let me throw it back to you because, okay. Claypool, what is his ideal role in the offense? I I know you've thrown out big slot, but golly, I just I can't see it. Like he's not if you're gonna play him as a big slot, he's like almost you're almost saying he's a gadget guy. 
you know, cause he's not like that. It's not like he's like that guy that is going to be able to win in the slot with route running. Um, in, in my, in my humble opinion, you know? Um, so I think ideally actually really, I think he, I I'd love to see him as a flanker. Unfortunately, I think Darnell Mooney's best role is also as a flanker. Um, as like a number two outside wide receiver. And like, if you could get another like real, like real nice X receiver to play that role, I, then I think, then I think we're working with something. Unfortunately, I just feel like there's a little bit of redundancy um, with Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. Yes. I, I think you're right about that. Um, now to answer your question about like where you'd play Chase Claypool, you can't, you can't play him at X because not only can he not win against press coverage, he can't win against man coverage. He right. also doesn't win contested either, which by the way, I'm like, okay, don't do that. You don't do that. What, what do you do here, pal? But uh, <laughs> so I think he can't really play as an X receiver uh, despite the size and speed. Um, yeah. You know, that that's just off the table. But and the reason I say he works as a big slot is because you just get him away from man and press coverage or you can, you know, get him free against zones. And, and he's, I do think his best stuff is when you give him free releases and you let him like kind of rumble after the catch, like you give him some quick hitters there. Um, and now if it's any indication, though, look, and I know he didn't play a full time role. Uh, Chase Claypool was only was fifth on the team in routes behind Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, Cole Komet kind of coming on a little bit. Equinemy, right? St. Brown, David Montgomery, and then you get Chase Claypool. Then now, if it's any indication, Claypool spent eighty-eight uh, percent of his snaps uh, on the line or up out wide. So I think yeah. they might play him as a wide receiver. Um, Darnell Mooney, fifty-eight point three percent of his snaps in the slot. He's actually been like kind of a, a fifty percent slot guy for them this year because. I think they want to take advantage of him as a speed slot receiver, which again, probably a good idea. Like neither one of these guys are big time press coverage, man coverage beaters. Um, you want to get them free releases. So yeah, there's a, I agree with you. Probably a little bit of redundancy there. Mooney's just like that vertical stretch slot flanker. And I think okay. Claypool is probably more of the design touches for him. Get him out in space. I just, there's, clearly a, a lack for or like a huge need for like a traditional number one X who can win contested, who can um, get off the line of scrimmage against press coverage, you know, equanimous St. Brown, you know, he, he's not that guy, obviously. No. Uh, the, the problem for me though, is when you talk about roster construction and you spent a second round pick to go get the services of Claypool. Okay. So you're going to have to pay him. Well, you're going to have to pay Mooney too. Um, so what are you saying now? Are you now saying that these are your top two wide receivers and deal with it? Because if that's the case, buddy, that's a problem. Like we like it today because we're saying, oh, it's a young and up and coming wide receiving group. But the up and coming part means that you need to add somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I think it just looks like a huge big difference like Chase Claypool versus like Byron Pringle or Dante Pettis, you know, some of these other guys. Um, but yeah, no, I, th I but think they can't be done. Like they can't be done. No, they're like, not. No, they're yeah. There's, there's no way they're done. Obviously, like, like I said, they can, they have so much cap space next year. They can add they're again, not a great free agent market, whatever. No, um, but they can add somebody else there. Uh, both these guys, they're both drafted in 2020. So they're both their contracts. Well, and they were second round picks or well, Claypool was a second round pick and Mooney was like a day three pick. So right. they'll both run out in 23. I don't think they'll reason. I think they'll pick one or the other. Um, like right now, I guess I'd say it probably would be Claypool because they gave up a second round pick to go get him. But I think Mooney's the better player. And like Mooney might 
stick around. Like also, by the way, there's a chance neither of these guys uh, is resigned with the team. <laughs> so um, because I don't think either of them is like high, high key, high end NFL starters. So yeah. um, we'll see. We'll see. I, it's just an interesting little duo there. But yeah, I don't. They're definitely. They're the one thing we can say for sure is they're 100 percent not done. <laughs>